0: Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Worship him. Awesome. Right, before we start, let's just pray quickly. Heavenly Father, I pray that your presence can come here today. I pray that you can shine your light on today's service and that you can speak through me to everyone, Lord, and that your heart can be seen. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. For those that don't know me, my name's Andrew, and I'm part of the leadership team here at New Spring. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series on the seven I am statements of Jesus found in the book of John. This week we'll be looking at the statement, I am the light of the world. Hence the candle, but I'll get to that later. As we have heard over the last few weeks, the book of John, in the book of John, when Jesus uses these statements, he's linking himself back to Exodus three, when God called himself, I am. Hopefully you all remember the story where Moses was talking to the burning bush and he asked God what his name was. And God's response was, I am who I am. Now, when God called himself, I am in Exodus three, this is a pivotal moment in redemptive history because God reveals himself to his people and comes to redeem them out of exile and lead them into a new life. God's name discloses who he is and what he is like. He is the I am, the eternal, unchanging, self exultant one, existent one, sorry, infinite and glorious beyond in every way and above and beyond all created things. He is God. And as Brett mentioned the last couple of weeks, he wants to be known. So he's given us a glimpse of who he is in this statement. When Jesus applies the title I am to himself in John 8, he claims to be the same God, not a helper to God or a great teacher, but the divine, eternal, pre-existent and infinite, perfect being. He is Israel's God. He is Yahweh, he is greater than Moses because he is the God of Moses. He has life in himself and he can give life to us. And the Jews listening to Jesus would have known what taking on this statement would have meant. Now the seven I am statements in John might best be understood as falling under and echoing this initial ultimate claim of Jesus. He is God, He is the God of Israel. All the Old Testament and God's redemptive acts were pointing to the coming of Jesus, the God in flesh, the true and better Israel, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament types and shadows. The last two weeks, Brett has been talking to us about the first I am statement, Jesus made, I am the bread of life and then Last week he talked to us about Jesus and the living water. Today we will be looking at the second statement found in the book of John where Jesus tells us, "He is the light of the world." Let's read today's passage, which is from John 8:12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." Now, before we get into the passage, I wanted to remind everyone of the power of a small light has to cast away darkness. So I brought in this candle. It is only, well, it's a pretty big candle actually, but it is only a small light. But I'm sure you're all aware, if I asked the lighting desk to dim the lights, there would still be a lot of light coming off this small candle. So I wanted to, I'm gonna leave that lift for the whole service You can use it to meditate on and listen to as we talk about light today. Have you ever been in a really dark room and then lit a candle? Maybe during the last power outage? When you light a candle, it's almost as if darkness flees from it. It's amazing that such a small little light can have such an effect on everything that touches it or everything around it. As I was reflecting this week about light, I was thinking about our need for light, particularly light from the sun. Our very life, our very existence depends upon light from the sun. Think about it. If it wasn't for sunlight, our planet wouldn't be warm enough to sustain life. Without light, crops would not be able to grow. Without light, plants couldn't complete the process of photosynthesis, which turns the carbon dioxide we breathe out into breathable air. Sunlight also directly affects our bodies. Scientists have determined that a form of depression occurs when people don't get enough sunlight. Like in the middle of winter, or for those that were over east in the last couple of years during the COVID pandemic. The result of not getting out in the sun enough is a low level depression. We need sunlight to survive. We need sunlight to flourish. What an appropriate way for Jesus to describe himself to his followers. So Jesus in this passage is claiming that he is the light of the world. So in order to understand this, we first need to get an understanding of what the Bible says about light. So what is light? Well, personally, when I think of light, the first thing that comes to my mind is when I was growing up, sitting in my house in Africa during monsoon season, when there was a really, really heavy storm outside. I'm not talking about the storms we have here in Perth, even though they they can be quite strong. I'm talking about a huge storm with lightning and thunder and just one that just goes crazy. It's usually the first thing that ever happens is the power goes out. I remember sitting inside and looking out the window and it being pitch black, because there's clouds and it's nighttime, and then lightning strikes and the whole world lights up. I remember sitting inside as a kid, I didn't worry about the damage the lightning could have been causing or the rain or the wind or any, all that sort of stuff. I just felt safe and secure inside with the fire going and the candles that we'd lit and just watched in awe as the lightning struck. Not that far from our house in reality, but I remember thinking about the contrast between when there was no lightning and when there was lightning, the dark and the light. And it's like when the lightning came, the darkness just fled from it. The whole world lit up. Light is one of the most prominent themes in John's gospel. According to John, the world is lost and hopeless in darkness. We read in John 1 4 and 5, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. (coughs) This may It makes me think of the lightning storm and how everything was so dark around and then when the lightning struck it's like all the darkness just fled and the whole world lit up. See the thing about light and darkness is that they can't coexist. They can't coexist at the same place. See wherever you have light darkness flees from it. It doesn't matter how small the light is darkness still cannot overcome it. Whether it's a huge bolt of lightning or a small candle, darkness can not even touch it. Now, just for a little bit more context of our passage today, when Jesus spoke these words, I am the light of the world, in John's gospel, he was speaking at the conclusion of the feast of tabernacles or feast of shelters or in gatherings. This feast was a week-long harvest celebration commanded by God during Moses' time to occur in October after all the crops had been gathered in. The feast was to remind the Israelites people how God had delivered them from slavery and provided for them during the 40 years in the desert. During the feast, the Jews built shelters out of branches and lived in them. Therefore, it's named the Feast of Shelters. By living in these shelters for a week, they remembered how God brought their ancestors out of slavery in Egypt and provided for them for the 40 years as they wandered the wilderness living in these primitive shelters every year they gave thanks and remembered in a tangible way the way God uh, what God had done for them in their life you can imagine after living in a shelter made of branches for a week you'll probably have a great appreciation for what you have and how God had blessed your family. As Jesus spoke these words, he was in Jerusalem at the temple. Jewish Jewish tradition tells us that during the festival, that they would light many torches in the temple and that these lights could be seen around Jerusalem, lighting up the dark night as it were. These torches served as a symbol of God's presence reminding them how God was present with Moses and their ancestors as a pillar of fire by night as they wandered in the desert for 40 years before entering the promised land, which we now think of as Israel. Here was Jesus, the day after the feast had concluded. The sacrifices had been offered during the week, the shelters were being taken apart, and the torches representing God's presence had just been extinguished. And Jesus declares to those around him, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I believe Jesus was trying to make a point. Just as the light of the torches represented God's presence, who was present with them in a pillar of fire in the darkness of night, and also guided and protected the people of Israel. Jesus was saying, I am that light. I am God's very presence in the darkness of this world. Occasionally, the pillar of fire would move. And this was the signal for the Israelite people to pack up their camp and follow the light. As the Israelites followed the pillar of light, pillar of fire, sorry, in the darkness of night, we must follow Jesus, the light in the darkness of our world. Otherwise, we'll keep stumbling through the darkness. Now, John had an understanding of light and darkness that would have been rooted in his understanding of the Old Testament. So in order to fully understand what John is trying to get across, we first have to look at what aspects of light we find in the Old Testament. Now, when you look through the Old Testament, light is a central theme, but there are, But what are some of the aspects of that light that we can find? Well, there's a lot, but there's two I wanna focus on this morning. Light and guidance and light and understanding. So first, let's look at light and guidance. Now, I want you all to imagine for a minute that you're on a camping trip. You're in the middle of nowhere and it's late at night. It's a cloudy night. So there's no moon or stars. You're out on a walk and you failed to make it back to your camp on time before the sunset. And now it's so dark that you can't see a thing or tell where you are. As you're groping around the dark, you keep tripping and try to, trying to find your way back to your campsite. As you try to find your way back, you can't be sure you're even going in the right direction anymore. Anxiety begins to set in and you begin to feel hungry and thirsty, and you realize that you've actually been out in the darkness a long time. The longer you roam around aimlessly, the more helpless you feel. Then you remember, you have a flashlight in, the back of your, in your backpack right down the bottom, and all of a sudden, there's light. Now you're able to see for sure that you're actually on the wrong path, and you're able to see the rocks and the branches and the roots that were tripping you up in the dark. You're no longer lost, and you're able to find your way back to camp. The idea that God as light guides us through the darkness is all through the Old Testament. In Psalms 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In Psalms 18, 28, it says, for it is you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. Or in Isaiah 42, 16, 16, and I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths they have not known, and I will guide them. I will turn darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. Finally, in Micah 7, 8, rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. The truth is we live in darkness. Not literally, of course. Darkness in the Bible is an analogy for evil or sin. It's not a coincidence that most crimes are done under the cover of darkness. In the darkness, people can go unseen, their acts hidden, secret, Our world is shrouded in spiritual darkness, and where where there is spiritual darkness, evil and sin flourish. People do not obey God's commands. They act selfishly. They harm others, either physically, with their actions, or verbally, with their words. Darkness exists in our country. It exists in our community. It exists in our schools. And the Bible says it even exists in us. Light guides us. It allows us to see the path we're on. Without light, we would be lost. We would be wandering around aimlessly, tripping over every little hiccup on the road. Every large rock or branch becomes a tripping hazard. The Bible tells us that God is our light, and with that light, we can see where we are going clearly and avoid the things that would normally trip us up. By Jesus saying he is the light of the world, he is saying that he is God. And as God, he can guide us along the path we are on. The people listening to Jesus would have really understood how important light was in directing their path. So often today, we take life for granted. We live in a world where it's so easy to create light. All you have to do is flick a switch. And boom, there's light. But we fail to understand that when we're walking through life and things trip us up, when things come up and get in our way, often it's because we're not allowing Jesus to shine His light on the path. Now, note, with this metaphor, whether you're walking in darkness or you're walking in light, it doesn't actually change what's on the path but it does change your perspective of it. Let me say that again, this is an important point. Whether you're walking in darkness or in light doesn't change what's on the path ahead of you, but it does change your perspective of that. For example, going back to our earlier story of wandering around in the dark on a camping trip. When in that situation, have you ever noticed that your mind can start playing tricks on you? Suddenly, you may start thinking that that branch that brushed past you is something other than a branch. (laughs) Maybe it's a wild animal, who knows? Or that crunch underfoot is not just dry leaves. But when you add light to the situation, you can clearly see and be confident that it's just a branch or it's just leaves. In the same way, when we allow Jesus to be our light, when we focus on him, the problems in this world seem to dim and become not as important. They're still there, it doesn't remove them. But the difference is, we can see clearly that they are not as bad as seen with the light that Jesus shines. See, Jesus' light changes our perspective. Without his light, we would not know where we're heading. And doesn't that sound like so many people in today's world? I know for myself, I can see it in many of my friends that don't know Jesus. They just seem to be wandering aimlessly around doing whatever feels good at the time. But when we have have that light, we can see clearly what direction we are heading and adjust our direction before we go too far down the wrong path. We read in Exodus 13, 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Just as the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud directed the Jewish people, so Jesus directs us by giving us a direction to head. The light that shows us the path we're walking on has a source, and that source is Jesus. And just as light brightens, the closer you get to a source, so Jesus' light brightens and gives you a direction that you need to head. But the light we're talking about is not only for directing us. It's also to help us direct others as well. We read in Matthew 5, 14, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, as we get closer to the source of light, Jesus, so his light starts to shine through us. I have another metaphor to help with this. I'm not sure if it's going to work because it is very bright in here, but you can do it at home if you need to. I've got a piece of paper. Now, there is no light coming from this paper. Yes? Yes. But with this piece of paper, if I put it close to the candle, hopefully you can see a light through the bit of paper. And the further away it is, the harder it is to see the light, but the closer it gets to the candle, the closer, the more light you can see shining through that paper. In the same way, the closer we get to Jesus, the clearer others can see his light through us. We don't start shining our own light, but instead we're so filled with the light of Jesus that his light shines through us. The next aspect of light we're gonna talk about is light and understanding. Have you ever been reading late at night? Reading a book, not an iPad or something. When the sun's going down and it's getting darker and darker. And every minute, you seem to have to strain your eyes more and more to actually understand what's written on the page, to the point where you even start getting a headache. Without good light, it's so much harder to understand what is written on a page. Again, the Old Testament has many passages about light and understanding, such as Psalms 119, 130, where it says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Or Daniel 2.22, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Or in Ecclesiastes 2.13, then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. There is more gain in light than in darkness. Or Proverbs 6.23, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. During the time of Jesus, there seems to be a great thirst for understanding. One reason, this is one reason why there might have been so many different groups grappling with what the Old Testament was saying, such as the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the Zealots, the essenes the list goes on. In in some way, it feels like they were all trying to read in the dark. They all seemed to be trying to understand what the Old Testament was saying. And they all got aspects of it correct. But without proper light, they were not getting the full picture. What they were missing was the light that Jesus brings to our understanding. They were each getting a part of the message but not understanding the meaning behind what was written. They were stuck in the dark without a light. When we understand why Jesus came and allow him to shine his light on our reading of scripture, it comes alive and understanding comes. This can be seen in how the disciples changed when the Holy Spirit came on them and how their understanding of the scripture expanded beyond what they should have had. Think about it. The disciples, before Jesus left and before they got the Holy Spirit, almost seems like they weren't the smartest people on the planet. (laughs) They seem to be making lots of really obvious mistakes as we read back. But once the spirit came on them, their understanding of scripture Expanded so much and they went from people stumbling around in the dark to people actually following a light and being able to read clearly they went from people stumbling in the dark to men shining the light of Jesus and guiding others with their understanding of scripture so let's go back to our passage and let's read it again hopefully with a slightly Different understanding of light that is talked about. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if Jesus is the light of the world, and we understand that that light lights up our path and guides us, as well as at the same time, having a source, which is Jesus, and gives us a direction to head, then surely we should listen and follow that light. Ultimately, Jesus, as our light, leads us through a wicked, sinful world or our personal wilderness to heaven, our promised land. He is our pillar of fire, light in the way. So what? Practically, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? If Jesus really is the light of the world, and that means he both guides us and directs us, how do we actually follow that light? We just read in John 8 that whoever follows Jesus will never walk in darkness. Sounds great, doesn't it? But how do, you, how do we follow? Well, the Greek word translated as follow is akalutheo. It's often used when a soldier follows his commander. Into battle. Sometimes it's used when a slave's in a slave service to his master. Other times it's used when some, someone accepts or follows wise counsel and submits to it. But in essence, it's when one person follows another. J. C. Ryle, who was an Anglican bishop in the 1800s, puts it this way. To follow Christ is to commit ourselves wholly and entirely to him in every matter, both of doctrine and practice. Now doctrine, for those that don't know, is simply a set of beliefs that's commonly held by the church. Let me say that quote again. To follow Christ is to commit oneself wholly and entirely to him in every matter of doctrine and practice. But how can we follow Jesus if we don't know him? See, Jesus is a man, not a rule book. In order to follow him, we have to have a relationship with him. We have to know him. We can't just follow a set of rules. Instead, we need to build a relationship with Jesus in order to follow him. So unless you build that relationship with Jesus, you're just following a rule book. And to be honest, why would you bother? We have the choice of building a real intimate relationship with God through Jesus. This goes so far beyond a certain way to live. It's all about that relationship. And in order to build that relationship, we first have to know who we're building a relationship with. We have to know Jesus. And Jesus has given us the Bible because he wants to be known. It's the whole reason we're doing this I Am series. It's to better understand who Jesus is so you can know him and build that relationship with him. That is what Brett, Matt and myself are trying to do. We're trying to help you to better understand who Jesus is but you have to also make a choice to use that knowledge to build a relationship with him. Otherwise, we may as well not bother. I'd like to finish this morning with a story about darkness that I found on the internet and loved. A university professor, at a well-known Institute of Higher Learning challenged his students with this question. Did God create everything that exists? One student bravely replied, yes, he did. God created everything, the professor asked. Yes, sir, he certainly did, the student replied. The professor answered, if God created everything, then God created evil. And since evil exists, and according to the principle that our works define who we are, then we can assume that God is evil. The student became quiet and didn't answer the professor's hypothetical definition. The professor, quietly pleased with himself, boasted to his students that he had proven once more that the Christian faith was a myth. Another student raised his hand and said, May I ask you a question, professor? Of course, replied the professor. So the student stood and asked, Professor, does cold exist? What kind of question is that? Of course it exists. Have you never been cold? The other student started snickering at the young man's question. The young man replied, in fact, sir, cold does not exist. According to the laws of physics, What we consider cold is in reality the absence of heat. Every body or object is susceptible to study when it has or transmits energy. And heat is what makes a body or matter have or transmit energy. Absolute zero is the total absence of heat. And all matter becomes inert and incapable of reaction at that temperature. Cold does not exist. We have created this word to describe how we feel with no heat. The student continued, Professor, does darkness exist? The professor responded, of course it exists. The student replied, once again, you're wrong, sir. Darkness does not exist either. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. Light we can study, but not darkness. In fact, we can use Newton's prism to break white light into many colors and study the various wavelengths of each color. We cannot measure darkness. A simple ray of light can break into a world of darkness and illuminate it. How can you know how dark a certain space is? You measure the amount of light present. Isn't that correct? Darkness is a term used by man to describe what happens when there is no light present. Finally, the young man asked the professor, sir, does evil exist? Now uncertain, the professor responded, of course, as I have already said, we see it every day in the daily example of man's inhumanity to man, in the multitudes of crimes and violence everywhere in the world. These manifestations are nothing else but evil. To this, the student replied, evil does not exist, sir. Or at least it does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It is just like darkness and cold, a word that man has created to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. Evil is a result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in his heart. It's like the cold that comes when there is no heat or the darkness that comes when there is no light. The professor sat down. The young student's name was Albert Einstein. Now, I'm not actually 100% sure Albert Einstein actually said that. There's a bit of a debate about that, but it's a really good illustration. So I used it anyway. Without God's presence in our life, we are left in the dark. Why do we see great atrocities committed around the world? Why do we see people in our community increasingly sucked into alcohol, abuse, or moral sin? Why do we hurt people and make poor choices? Is it because we're evil? No, it's because we lack God's presence, God's light fully within us. Our community has not allowed the light of God into it. Jesus is the light of the world, come into our dark world. In order to see lives changed, our communities changed, our world changed, requires the light of Jesus shining in the dark corners of our lives and in our communities. Again, Jesus is not a set of rules, but He is a man. And Jesus wants us to live in the light. We need to receive the light if we're going to walk in the light. If we're going to allow the light to change us and we need to choose to build that relationship with Jesus and get closer and closer to his light each and every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your light shines in our lives. I pray that each and every person here can see your light, Lord. See it in the lives of those that know you around them. See it in their own lives. And I pray that they can head towards it, Lord, and that they can commit their lives wholly and completely to you and let your light shine in the darkest corners of their lives. I pray that as a church we can let your light shine in this building, in this community and that your light can shine through us all Lord and that we can be a light to the community around us and direct them to you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.